coming to you from our new home at DynastyLeagueFootball.com and a DLF family of podcasts. We are the Superflex Super Show. We talk QB values, Superflex strategies, evaluate and debate Superflex trades, plus our own twist on Superflex team management with exercises like Tinderflex, Super 6, and You Are Nuts. So when you're done with this awesome DLF podcast, find us on Twitter at Superflex Show and join us in the discussion of the fastest growing format in all of fantasy football, Superflex, on the Superflex Super Show. Hello and welcome back to the Dynasty Crossroads. My name is Peter Howard at PA Howdy on Twitter. This is a member of the DLF family of podcasts. I'm here recording tonight with not Jake, not Jake Anderson uh, at FF on Twitter. Um, my fellow co-host is still missing in action, so I've asked Jesse Reeves from Player Profiler now. Jesse, that's correct, Peter. To stand in for him uh, and trying to keep me on track and on the rails. Um, this week we really weren't sure what to talk about a lot, so I thought I'm not hearing a lot about the rookies who aren't already producing for our fantasy teams anymore, and there are quite a few of them that are relatively high on coming into this year, so I thought we'd start off on there, maybe trail off into the 2020 class, um, since a lot of us are already starting to look forward to next year um, with a lot of our dynasty rosters, so maybe getting a, a quick look at how we feel about the 2020 class or how we should approach our teams if they are maybe not going to make the playoffs or looking like they're not going to win the championship already might be might be fun for the Crossroads audience, so hopefully it is. We'll, we'll find out, I guess. Like, uh, how you doing, Jesse? Uh, I, I'm doing great, but um, no, F, thank you for having me on. Uh, I'm, I'm happy to be here. Um, we had an amazing conversation in itself before we before we hit the record button. So yeah, dude, I'm I'm excited to be here tonight and and hang out with you. And I know I'm no Jake Anderson, but you know I'm I, I'm pretty good. Well, no one is Jesse because uh, most people uh, you know record on their podcasts and stuff. So no one can really. <laughs> uh, he's just busy, you know, laughing, and uh, we, we've got nothing but mean things to say. Oh, but no, uh, missing Jake leave like the man crazy. Alone. I need other people to keep me on the rails. So that's that's your job tonight. Good luck with it, because I am not a train that runs very well on rails. Um, but yeah, I just think it'll be interesting to talk about you know some of the uh, the less mentioned rookies this year. Um, like the name that keeps occurring to me is JJ Isaiah Whiteside. Now I've been happy for people not to be bringing him into my mentions on Twitter lately because I was remarkably high on him, and uh, it's it's not been looking good so far. He hasn't had a target since week three, despite pretty much everyone on the team at the wide receiver position falling down, disappearing, or not catching targets. JJ Isaiah Whiteside still failing to do very much. Um, with that opportunity, um, and like I say, hasn't had a target since week three. Is there a guy that stands out for you that you were high out in this class and so far hasn't been performing as you would have hoped? Uh, out 
outside of my uh, love and affinity for Nikhil Harry, who hasn't has not lived up to the expectation um, that I thought he would come into his rookie season, I'd probably say you hit the nail on the head with um, JJR Sega Whiteside. Um, unfortunately, we just haven't seen it really materialize for him. And, and I guess we can go back to you know the offseason banter when a lot of people. Um, kind of predicted that he wouldn't necessarily have a role in this offense in this offense given um Philadelphia just having a, a plethora of offensive weapons to go with but um as you mentioned we've kind of seen um him continue to not have a role despite them losing Deshaun Jackson for a lot of the season and um Alshon Jeffrey getting banged up for um, a couple games, I believe, we kind of saw a lot of the 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 targets and the uh, receiving game kind of filter to uh, Dallas Goddard and surprisingly uh, Miles Sanders as well. So it is a little uh, it is a little puzzling because I know uh, us two were definitely guys who were on JJ Arcega Whiteside as a guy who broke out fairly early and had uh, really good age adjusted market share data. But it just hasn't materialized. So I think you kind of hit it, uh, hit the nail on the head. I don't know if there were people out there that were as high on him as maybe uh, maybe we were. I, I believe I had him inside my top top five wide receivers, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but yeah, he definitely stands out. And and like I mentioned, Nikhil Harry is definitely one of those one of those guys. But I, I don't know how much we can put on uh, that we we can put on him outside of his situation. And we just know New England is not one to say that he, this guy's a good player. He gets the, the playing time, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside definitely stands out. I think um, just thinking about it off the top of my head, though, too, I would probably say somebody that, that's kind of... I know everybody's talking about him, but somebody has kind of underperformed that a lot of people had pegged as like the 101 would probably be David Montgomery as well. I don't. It, we don't have to go down that rabbit hole if you don't want to, but um, he's somebody that definitely stands out. And also maybe one of my guys, my absolute guys who I thought flashed a couple weeks ago, but just it, it's not materializing um, with how much they spread the ball out in Arizona is Keyshawn Johnson. Um, he had a fairly low, um, breakout age coming in and he was just somebody that I, that I really fell in love with. I fell in love with, you know, watching a little bit of his tape and, um, and crunching a lot of his numbers, but it just, it just hasn't materialized for him out there. And I'm probably the biggest guy on Keyshawn Johnson coming out of the, uh, into the draft as well. Um, but yeah, he, that's a name that stands out to me as well. Yeah. I'm not really into excuses, Jesse. Uh, good to know <laughs> that you are, but no, um, like Nikki Harry feels like a little bit of a cheat. He spent most of the year on IR. Um, I think he's back now. No, most places still have him listed as on IR, but I don't think he actually technically is. Uh, you have to correct me from that if I'm wrong, but a lot of sites don't list him there, and it's hardly surprising since he's yet to receive a target, and since, I think, being activated from IR, but, like, there's an inbuilt excuse there. I will say, especially first-round wide receivers who don't earn or do something with early opportunity, or the early opportunity of being in the NFL, at least, um, like, not a lot, but catching four to 600 yards, being efficient, showing something... Like, that's that's a very small but very scary list to be on. It's the Devontae Parker, it's the Josh Doxon list. And that doesn't make me happy about Nikhil Harry, but at least he has some kind of reasoning there. J.J. Seager whiteside has been on the team and available all season and did some things early on, but it just really faded. I don't think the target's going to the tight ends. Like, those just aren't excuses I allow for myself. Like, um... You know, good tight ends can exist with good wide receivers. We've seen it before. We've seen it this year. 
So honestly, this is all just a black mark for J.J. Segal-Whiteside. Now, the only thing, one of the things I didn't like about his rookie profile is that he was overly touchdown dependent in college. And a lot of people did say he wouldn't have an early role, which I kept asking, what does that mean compared to every rookie wide receiver? And no one really had an answer. It just felt like they needed to build in an excuse for him. Um, and I'm not into excuses, so I wasn't into that. Um, just trolling as many people as I can in one swoop right there. But um, no, this is this has been worrying. He had seven targets overall on the year. Um, hasn't had a target since week three. Um, this makes me more nervous about J.J. Osega-Whiteside. Now, Andy Isabella, on the same other hand, um, you mentioned Keyson Johnson, who I think... Uh, I was high on based on where he was drafted, but like not even I saw him being like so early being the target share leader of rookies, really, um, on the Cardinals, but he really did impress, but hasn't done great with it in terms of production. He's done well in terms of opportunity, and I think that's positive, but I still think um, Andy Isabella is a wide receiver rookie that I want from that team. Uh, Christian Kirk, if you're not already trying to get Christian Kirk on your roster to the point that it's hurt slightly when you send the trade offer, then I don't think you're doing Dynasty right, to be honest. Um, but I, I think Andy Isabella is the other wide receiver that I'm really interested in there. He's actually come on a little bit in the last few weeks. And honestly, that's that's all I want from a rookie wide receiver, to see improvement, to see something of um, the inkling from the college profile that they may be good. J.J. Segal-Whiteside hasn't shown it. Nikhil Harry hasn't really been on the team to try and prove it. And so I'm worried about both of them. Um, but these are just kind of vague terms. So I guess really what I'm thinking about is pushing this forward. Like if you're not winning right now, or even if you are and you're looking to speculate on future capital, any of those rookies that haven't hit um, from this year's class, are they still second round picks to you if you were trading for them? Is Keyshawn Johnson a 2021st? Like what's your value range on these guys who haven't been hitting yet? Uh, well, uh- for me, I would say it might be a little bit of hyperbole, but I am definitely not trading any first or seconds away for any rookie that had outside of probably Josh Jacobs right now. I think Josh Jacobs has walked into um, a clear situation where he's just going to be the bell cow for for years. They got their guy, and they're just going to feed him. Granted, he isn't too involved in the receiving game. I don't care. He's getting the touches, and he's producing with it. That's about the only guy from this class that I think I would probably ship off um, in early uh, 2020 pick four. Um, I would definitely do it for a 2022nd, but a 2021st, I think I'd probably, um, I, I actually, I really, really would ship off for, for the likes of Josh Jacobs, just because you always want to go with what you know, um, as well. But right now we, for a guy like JJ Arcega Whiteside, we know that he's healthy. We know that he produced in college, but we know that he isn't doing anything. And the way that this 2020 class is set up, especially at the wide receiver position is there are a lot, a lot of guys on that top that that the top of that shelf that you can that you are going to be able to um, exploit those early twenty twenty picks for. So I would say they that that a lot of the top end wide receivers probably bleed into the second round as well with some of the running back talent that is going to be at the top of the board. So I'm not shipping off anything special for a guy like JJ Arcega-Whiteside right now. Um, if I can get him maybe for a bargain at maybe a fourth, I would I would definitely take it because I think Arcega-Whiteside has a lot of upside in the future. Um, but yeah, I, I'd, I'd say that this 2020 class, get to know it well because it is going to be very, very, very good. 
Yeah, your your response is just dripping with hate for JJ Osega Whiteside that you're trying to couch in positive I love terms him. and a fourth, Jesse. Come on, you hate him. Um and also <laughs> clear love of the twenty twenty class, which I do want to get to in a little bit, but just so I didn't, you know, throw throw a wet throw a horrible question at you and then not try and answer it myself because that's a little unfair. JJ Osega Whiteside is worth a second round pick to me. I I have him on okay. most of my rosters right now, so it's a little easy for me to say that. Like, I don't know I would pay a second, but I think that's the value line. If you're not comfortable with it, don't do it. If you're willing to speculate, 20, 20 second or below is is great value, obviously, if you're getting it below that. But I think the value line on him is a 20, 20 second. Um, Andy Isabella's there too, but I'm more comfortable with that. Because again, he's been showing something over the last couple of weeks. Nikhil Harry, I still have as a, a late first round pick. I mean, he's in a scary list, but it's a small list, and that could just be variance. Um, and I still really believe in the profile. Like, speaking of, the earliest reference I'll make to it so far is, like, there isn't a wide receiver in this class that's going to rank much higher than Nikhil Harry um, for me, just by the way I process. I haven't looked at their 2020 profiles yet, but I did look at a lot of them for 2019, and there's just none that can really reach that height. There's a couple that can equal it, and that will make it a really strong class. But Nikhil Harry is going to profile as well as any of the guys coming out in 2020 at the wide receiver. I, I can already see that. That's where I'm at with him. Like Nikhil, uh, Andy Isabella is a solid second. JJ Sager Whiteside is a second. I probably would not criticize anyone for never paying. A third, I'm in. Um, and uh, honestly, Nikhil Harry is still a first for me. Like I'm not paying a top five first because that's just crazy for a wide receiver at this point. But. Um, yeah, that, that's where I'm at on them. Obviously, there are more rookies involved, but I think those are the ones that I don't hear a lot of talk on, right? It's Whiteside because no one wants to mention it, which is weird because there are a lot of people who didn't like him and you'd think they'd be out there, you know, maybe they just feel so bad for us they don't want to make fun of us, but, like, you'd think there'd be more J.J. Osega Whiteside hate flowing around and no one's mentioning him right now. Yeah, and did you say you would might pay a 2020 second for the top running back out of the 2019 draft class? You have fallen into oh. the next year's class is better trap that happens every year. Uh, no, I said I would pay an early first for Josh. Yeah, you should, you should I'd definitely pay an early twenty twenty. Oh, I, I you should probably be paying more pay... for a, more than a first oh, for a running back who's already hit. Like you haven't gone so a- far absolutely. into the weeds with rookie. No, love, no, right? you still no, 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 not at still all. a semblance and, of I value. That... Will it take like the draft to make you go insane for this class? No, because I think more than anything, through my through uh, one of the biggest lessons from last year is uh, or this this class that we're talking about right now is that there are still Preston Williams out there. There are guys like Scott Miller who profile very well, and we've seen over the past couple weeks they are getting targets. Well, granted, Preston Williams got put on IR, but was starting to really come into his own um, as an alpha in Miami. But then you see guys like Scott Miller who are starting to get red zone targets. Um, when Jameis Winston is down there and he's hucking it up and guys that have this college production and very large um, age-adjusted market share uh, data to go on and we're seeing them kind of come out of the weeds a little bit and these are guys that are UDFAs or sixth round picks that a lot of people aren't going to hang on to because the draft capital isn't there but actually it, I was going to ask you to about my... that that's a good point like where are you at on a Preston Williams because I'm I, I think he's more valuable than JJ Sega Whiteside right now obviously mm-hmm. You know, but beyond that, you're looking at, you know, 
What what kind of value? Like that's a late first for a wide receiver you think is going to continue to hit. Surely that's reasonable, but that's really uncomfortable. Would you do that? Uh, I think a late first. N- no, I'm I'm gonna say no, just because I don't know what the situation looks like there right now for his trajectory. We know that he can do it as an individual, but I don't know what the projection for the entire team looks like. Miami has completely overhauled their entire team, and they've sold off every valuable piece for draft picks. And as we know, draft picks are very unpredictable. And for positions that I don't track nearly as much as skill positions, I'm not going to project that Preston Williams is going to be this high-flying wide receiver continuously throughout his the next three or four years when I don't know what that team is going to look like. I have no idea who they're going to be drafting. So a late first seems out of the question for me. And I would say a mid to early second, I would probably be more comfortable with because I do know what Preston Williams can do. And I think that that he is a he's a fantastic wide receiver, and I think that he's going to going to produce. But I'd feel more comfortable at a bargain trying to get him at at an early second, mid second. You are going to have to come to terms with your rookie fever here, and this this, this is the place to do it. The crossroads, and just for reference here, remember that Jesse is one of those filthy um, in between guys. Like uh, he doesn't take sides; he does both tape and analytics. He's one of those people that believes like everyone has a place at the table. He's weird, <laughs> but um, yeah, he's coming from both. I will die on here. that hill, Peter. <laughs> right? Um, I'll die on that tape analytics hill. And yeah, and just for some clarification here like i think preston williams would be definitely worth a 2021st a 2021st um if he was drafted and as the uh, as the sole representatives of undrafted free agents matter that might be a weird thing to say but teams will fade people without draft capital i honestly think that's a large part of the reason it's not the player it's not the situation going on in the next three years teams want to hit on their draft picks and they're more convinced, just like most dynasty players are, that the players with draft capital are better. So, unfortunately, even good players that get discovered with low draft capital do get faded quicker and more often. You have to be Adam Thielen. You have to be Adam Thielen and Antonio Brown to really overcome that hump. You can't just be good. I mean, uh, Tyrell Williams is a surprise to most people, but he already proved it. Um, and and. Uh, Cameron Meredith did as well he just got severely injured these players we already know are good and they get faded I really think because like everyone that plays Dynasty we prefer draft capital um, so that's the problem I think with that holds Preston Williams back but I do think if I can add him for a second like and I'm out of the contention right now I'm more interested in a player I know something about and hope that the team just doesn't get draft capital crazy than I am at speculating on draft pick. I don't even know who's in this draft class. Like, betting against a draft class, especially one, I don't I don't remember anyone this high on a draft class. Like, while I've been playing fantasy football, I've been hearing about the 2020 class for two years now. And people have got so hard, so bored of saying, buy 2020 first, that they're now saying, and make sure you get those 2020 seconds as well. And in most of my dynasty leagues, it's like divided in two. There are people who have bought the draft picks and then the people who have sold the draft picks. We're already done trading draft picks at this point. And are you seeing a similar thing where it's going to be weird off season that way? Yeah, I, I think everybody around um, the this time and, and beyond every year, they start to get infatuated with draft classes, especially all, a lot of the Debbie guys. Um, and like you said, this is a class that's been talked about for a couple years now. I don't blame everybody for for really falling in love with this class because there is a lot of talent here and 
Um, I know that 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 a lot of that talent is like like you said, people want to hoard the twenty twenty seconds now because there's going to be a lot of talent that slips to that as well. But I don't think that this is. It's never as solid as we think. It never is as as uh, as well projected as we think it's going to be. So I still think that those early first, the the, the early twenty twenty projected firsts, those are going to hold the most values because that's where you're going to get a guy like Jerry Judy, or a guy like DeAndre Swift. Uh, but other than that, I'm still I'm still being cautious with the way that I feel about this class. I still have a lot of work left to do on it, but. I don't think people are wrong for wanting to get those 20, 20 seconds because I think there there's definitely some talent to be had in that range, but I, I I'm cautious to say that it's that this is the most fantastic class I've ever seen or that we have ever seen as a whole. Yeah, and I think it's important you compared it to the 2014 class. Remember that no one was this high on the 2014 class till after it. Like we were high on the class, mm-hmm. but no, like the pre-draft, the pre pre-draft hype has been pretty insane. And so that's put me on the opposite side of buying pretty often because I'm not. It might be a really good off season to be in Dynasty, or maybe I'm just wrong here. But there's so much that can go your way if you'd rather sell them and get players. I mean, we're coming off a year where DeAndre Hopkins, Odell Beckham, Keenan Allen, all these great wide receivers who are still great and young ish, and um, are going to be undervalued. Now, they're not going to sell for peanuts, obviously, because no one's stupid in Dynasty. Well, maybe in your league. I don't know. But um, <laughs> they are going to be worth less than they were, were last off season. but they are still just as good. And coupled with a class where the picks have been, like, people were higher on the 2020 picks during the 2019 draft. Like, you, you almost owed something if you wanted a 2020 pick and you were trading away on the clock a 2019 first. That's insane. So since these picks are getting more and more valuable, you're able to buy on these great players that we know are great who are dropping in value. That might be a really good time to speculate in the wide receiver market. But it's really tough if everyone you know is saying buy the picks, don't don't sell them. I always think that no matter what, you always want to get proven talent over over anything else. That's always what you want to do. So if you can ship off um, some of your your 2020 assets, especially if you're in a position of um, being able to contend this year for a championship and you're putting together a, a good proven squad, I would definitely feel comfortable shipping off some 2020 picks. But that's that definitely falls under what type of owner you are, how risk averse you are. This 2020 class, like I said, it it looks amazing right now. We won't know until we get closer. I know everybody likes to see them in in their underwear and they like them them you know <laughs> these prospects to run fast and we can make the, a better assumption on on how how well these guys are going to acclimate by you know their four. 40 time and everything, but I think it comes down to what you're trying to do in your league. I also don't mind shipping off a couple guys that um, uh, I know we discussed a guy like Ezekiel Elliott, who we know running backs don't really have a, uh, a long shelf life in the NFL. I do believe you still got some really good years ahead of him, but uh, I'm comfortable shipping him off for a couple 2020 firsts and maybe a young guy like a Preston Williams. And then, you know, maybe you throw in a 2020 second in there, give or take. I believe that's a good enough haul for a guy like Ezekiel Elliott. And I would take that all day because I think that um, you're jumping the gun on being able to get some some high upside youth with a guy like Preston Williams or a guy like Andy Isabella or uh, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. 
and you're able to garner those those 2020 picks as well um, if you're in a rebuild or, or whatever you want to call it. Um, but it's going to be able, it's going to come down to you identifying what you need for your team, but also just being a smart owner. And you, this class is good and it is worth, um, it is worth acquiring some of the picks if you, if you don't have any, or if you traded them away unwilling, well, not unwillingly, but, um, (laughs) before you, you got, you got the drop on it or, you know, uh, a drop on this class. I definitely think there's, there's something to be said, but always, always play with caution though, uh, when it comes to these picks. Yeah, it's interesting because you just made Dynasty owners sound like such perverts that one, like watching people in their underwear, and and two, like what was it, unwilling, <laughs> making people unwillingly do like whatever. Uh, this is getting a little intense here, but um, I I do like the idea. It's of a selling... sexual experience, Peter. Just roll with <laughs> okay. it. Okay, dude. Um, I do like the idea of selling <laughs> Ezekiel Elliott. I I'd rather sell running backs. And it's not because of the 2020 picks. It's just because the value is going to continue to escalate towards the draft. They're already so high. And running backs have a shorter shelf life. It's just, I mean, it hit me this year just continuing to bet on David Johnson because I thought because he hadn't played, his injuries weren't leg-related, I'd be all right. But it didn't even work for that reason. And and Ezekiel is not injured and still a great player. And like I say, I'm not expecting him to drop off anytime soon. But the trend is for running backs to drop off and we may have seen peak Ezekiel Elliott already and while it's easy to say sell David Johnson no one's buying but Ezekiel Elliott still might find some shoppers if you know what I mean so I don't mind that idea at all so okay lay it on me Jesse before I start pointing out that you don't know who's in the 2020 class um (laughs) who's so great in the 2020 class like who are they comparing to so if we go just just purely based on some of the numbers that he's put out, I think Tyler Johnson is an incredible prospect. And I know you you, you have a little bit of hesitation with him because he returned for his senior year. Um, and right now it does look like he's on trend to amass or at least keep pace or be equal with um, a lot of the age-adjusted market share data that we have on him. Um, young breakout age. Um Right now, he's like I said, he's on pace to smash his his 2018 totals as well, and, and he's already surpassed uh, his 2017 totals from from his breakout year. But he's just an incredible prospect. I I've from all of the data that I've compiled and seen, there's only one player that has had his age adjusted market share data at at that young of an age and broken out at, uh, during his breakout year, and that's Des Bryant. And I think Des Bryant was a pretty phenomenal prospect. Um, it's just going to come down to uh, what where he goes for me. It's going to come down to how high he's drafted, what situation he goes to. But I think he's he's probably about as bulletproof as they come in terms of looking at how much of that Minnesota offense he's he's acquired and how much he's held down for that whole entire team. And he's also doing it with uh, with another breakout candidate um, or another breakout uh, wide receiver on the other side of him. Rashad Bateman, who has a, a similar profile, who broke out at age 18 and is just totally dominating as a, as a sophomore right now, and uh, so Tyler Johnson is one of those guys that that looks about as as bulletproof as they come. Him and 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 Jalen Rager are are those I I believe those would be the two that you'd probably want to put up there with Nikhil Harry right now. Um, I believe they they hold a pretty pretty similar value to what we had Nikhil Harry coming out 
um, definitively. Yeah, those two names came up when I was profiling them for the 2019 class, and Brian Edwards as well is a name that you mentioned. C.D. Lamb is also up there right now. I haven't looked at the 2020 numbers and put them through the full filters, if they all declare... <laughs> so I don't quite know where I'm at on them, but they're names I've noticed already. Um, and like I say, uh, Tyler Johnson, if he came out last year, is the only one that already profiled as high as like a DJ Moore, Christian Kirk. The others look, there's some other very decent looking. I just have concerns. And like you mentioned, I have some concern with Tyler Johnson. And I, I, I was talking with someone about this on Twitter the other day. It seems weird. And I know it, I know it's weird, but... Um, I'm more interested in uh, finding categories of what players look like. I, I'm okay missing on a DJ Chark because what he did in college looks like more often a player that doesn't work out in the NFL, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I don't want to ever yeah. miss on a DeAndre Hopkins and everyone just be like, well, yeah, he was great in college. He's great in the NFL. Why did you miss that? Like, that's the thing I don't want to miss. Um, and so that's why I end up coming up with these thresholds and categories for players. And that's all it's saying. It's just best guesses of who's in the most likely category. That's all I'm ever looking for, really, um, um, despite all the work I put into it and prospect evaluation. But Tyler Johnson staying in college for four years and coming out a year older, both of those are significant factors when looking back at past players and it just puts him in a slightly different category. Now, there are plenty of hits there. There's Emmanuel Sanders. There's, there's Marvin Jones. There's some really good NFL hits um, with his that level of great college production coming out f- four years at the age he'll be. It just is a less scintillating ca- group than if he'd come out last year. And so that doesn't mean I don't like him. It's just it actually made his profile look a little worse. But I think the crooks of this class and why everyone's interested in the first round is running backs. And that's a position I really don't know anything about yet. So who's at the top of the list for running backs in the 2020 class? Right now, for me, this early in the process, so you're looking at two guys that I think are running away with the, the with the potential 101 and 102 in the rookie drafts, and and that's Jonathan Taylor from Wisconsin and DeAndre Swift from Georgia. Uh, Jonathan Taylor has just absolutely been a a monster producer, and he's done it from a young age. Uh, we're talking about over 55 percent of the the market share of rushing yards um for ages both 18 and 19 for jonathan taylor and that trend has completely continued this season as well he's on an absolute tear and he does not look like he's going to be slowing down at all and then deandre swift deandre swift is the the tape grinders darling um they absolutely love his shiftiness and like what he's you know what he's able to do on the field and he's also a guy that that is going to hit those market share um uh, projections for us as well. But as we know with the running back position, a lot of it comes down to draft capital and situation. We know that running backs generally are given opportunity when they walk into a situation that's conducive for them to thrive. So um, more than anything, yeah, it is kind of the crux of this class. But if there's one thing that I have learned from last last season, it's that um, if I'm buying a running back, it's going to be a guy that I know walks in as a bell cow. Um, regardless of whether a lot of these guys possess that talent, I, I will buy into the situation and the projected volume before I buy into the player itself. What are you willing to pay for these guys? I mean, are they so astonishing? They're not Saquon Barkley, right? They're not someone that's so clearly going to dominate based on what you can see that any any place 
they land is going to be a top five running back. Is that who they are? I, I, I don't think so. But I think if you talked if you talked to somebody else on a different night where the weather was different and maybe it's daytime, somebody would say DeAndre Swift. Um, but I'm not that guy. I don't think anybody that's coming out in this class is necessarily Saquon-esque. Uh, there are very, very good uh, running backs in this class, but I'm always hesitant. If there's one thing that I've picked up from, um, from evaluating these guys and, and doing the numbers and watching film, it's it's that you can't really trust anybody who's look at how how high we were drafting David Montgomery this year and look where where that turned out Miles Sanders as well the and then Josh Jacobs is the only hit that we had and we knew he was walking into a great situation so to answer your question in short no there's no Saquon Barkley here but there are very good running backs that we can pray land in a very good situation see I'm just worried which of them don't declare which of them go to a bad situation which one I've all I've heard some people already starting to mention these guys are going to drop further in the draft than we think because there are so many of them and so few teams that need them so, like, there's a lot of concerns here. Like, 2020 class, this many people don't say a class is good without there being truth to it. I'm not saying that. And I haven't done my evaluation, so I can't, like, fully critique it um, as much as I'd like. But I think it's an interesting time to start thinking about it. And so this is what I'm going to try and throw at you, kind of as a let's get out of here before we hit the two-hour mark. Um, <laughs> there's going to be lots of who would you trade and who would you not trade for 2021. Now, obviously, you're not going to get DeAndre Hopkins and um, Odo Beckham for 2021 right up. I hope not. If so, then do that. But, like, so I want to put a little bit of a spin on it. I was talking to someone that uh, were working on a team together and they were thinking about their keepers. And I said, the guy that you want on your roster for a keeper or any position, really, is next year's Dalvin Cook. It's a guy you know has a potential, but his value's a little down, so his draft cost is a little low. Like, that's that's one of the league winners you can always search for year to year. So who is the running back this year you want to make sure you don't trade away for these potential wide receiver running back ones? Like, you love the players. Obviously, you want the first-round picks. You're going to need a top-five pick to get either of them anyway. But is there a running back or a couple of them that you going to shy away from trading even though the value might be there like david montgomery for 2020 um i would say yes on the david montgomery i would ship off david even as much as i do love david montgomery i would ship him off for 2021 just because i i, I feel I, I love the wide receivers here and i'm, I'm gonna try and snag uh, one of those guys and if i can if i can trade in a an unpredictable um, running back, then I, I will definitely I'll bite on that for a predictable wide receiver, or for the most part. Um, I, there's just, well, that's the thing though. You there... wouldn't be trading him for a predictable wide receiver. You'd be trading him for a shot at one of these. Maybe you get one of these running backs coming in this year. Yes, yeah, you're you're right. I can only I can only project so much, and and my projection for David Montgomery is sure he can get it together, but how long is how long is that Bears offense going to hang on to Mitchell Trubisky, and how long is that offense not going to be able to function? I'm definitely I trust myself and my evaluation more than I trust that David Montgomery is going to show out. And so I'll take that shot. That's just that that's me. I feel comfortable with my evaluation process to where I'm comfortable trading him for a shot at one of those guys. And 
I think I can hit on that. Um, but is if there's one guy that I that I that I'm definitely not trading away for a 2021st right now, um, probably I probably am not going to trade away a, a guy like Josh Jacobs for a 2021st, just because I think we already know what Josh Jacobs is. I, I know I said it earlier. He might seem like a layup right now. If I'm going a little a little bit contrarian though, I think a guy that I that I would need a little bit more, a lot more than a 2021st would probably be Melvin Gordon. I really, really like, and this might be recency bias too from the last two weeks that he's put up numbers, but we just continue to doubt that guy and he continues to show up. He's just a level of consistency. And I and and I just think that he, no matter, even if the Chargers let go of him next year, he's a great asset and I, I would continue to hold on to him. I'd probably need a little bit more. I don't know if that's the answer you're looking for, but that's the answer I got. That's weird because he's one of the guys I would be, okay, if you want 2021st, the value is going to rise. Maybe you get a shot at one of those running backs. I kind of get it. It's like the David Johnson role. Even the good running backs have this curve that is mostly unpredictable other than it, it kind of happens, right? Le'Veon Bell is the only one who sustained in the last 10 years top five numbers for more than three years he he just is and running backs that finish in the top five typically don't finish in the top five the next year there's normally only one or two that manage to do it for two years in a row uh, and so i'm more willing to get out on those guys but when i'm looking for a running back i just thought like hopefully we all have different answers to it so my answers to it shouldn't be like Oh, yes, that guy. But I think it's an interesting player to search for. If you're in a losing position right now, you're thinking about the 2020 class, those picks are overvalued anyway. So you either have to overpay a little bit more than's comfortable or you just have to, I don't know, trade for the seconds like everyone's telling you to. I think one way might be to do, might be to evaluate your roster or value other people's rosters. Look for that running back who's undervalued for this year, realistically. David Montgomery's not going to finish as a top five running back this year. Darius Geis is not going to. Um, Miles Sanders isn't going to. But you think, personally, could have that potential. So they're a little undervalued. The 2021st picks are a little overvalued. That might create an unusual buying window in some ways, where you can start buying a running back for next year. Like, I don't know if there's a guy like Delvin Cook in, uh, in the NFL right now. But I think it might be an interesting process to go through to think about some. Now, David Montgomery's had a 58% snap share, an 8% target share, and has 11 points per game on the season right now. That's not great. That's not top five running back numbers. But solid top 24? Yes. And so I think if I can get him for top 24 value, I'd be interested in it. Just because I think they're a little, he's a little easier to trade for right now. Miles Sanders, like you said, his receiving work's probably going to at least keep him up in that top 24 range. If he's a little undervalued right now because of the incoming rookies being more exciting, that's interesting. Um, Darius Geis is the other one. I am tired of waiting to see him play. But we might get a short glimpse of him here at the end of the season, and that might be useful. Uh, nobody really stands out too much, but if we're going by that criteria, I mean, dare I say Derrick Henry, That's not bad. younger running back right now. It. And I really think, I really think he's averaging 17 points per game right now. Um, 
in PPR, and he doesn't even he doesn't get any passing volume. But man, let me tell you, he's one of the best running backs right now at creating yards for himself. And he can we continuously doubt him every single year, and he just comes by and he puts up these massive games, and he just he gets tons of yards on the ground. And every single year we're talking about how oh, he's just a plotter, and this is the year we see kind of him you know kind of fall off the cliff, and he's not going to produce. If you take away his long runs, he's not going to be that good of a running back. Well, he's just he's a good running back that's getting the volume and there's 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 nobody else there to take it away from him and he's just getting it so I think that's somebody that I probably I think a lot of people undervalue him year in and year out and he's probably somebody that you can get you could buy kind of low on that opportunity window I don't know if I'd pay if 2021st for him, but he's definitely somebody that I'd probably look to package in a trade. Uh, if I'm sh- like we discussed, if I'm shipping off Ezekiel Elliott, uh, maybe I look to get a guy like Derrick Henry with a little bit of doubt in there, and then grab that 2021st, even if it's a late projected or something. I think you grab a guy like that, Derrick Henry, who continuously um, kind of proves us wrong and puts up solid, good numbers. He's sitting inside the top. Uh, 22 overall fantasy players right now through week 10 as well. Um, 24, I should say. That's a better number anyways. Um, but I'd be I'd be very happy in, in going ahead and picking up Derrick Henry like that and maybe getting a potential 2021st in there too. I was just looking literally through a list of running backs organized by Snapshare trying to process my own question. And remember, I, I think the obvious moves are still the best moves. Like we should be playing for wide receiver value and pick value if you're looking more to next year at this point. But I do think, just thinking it through with you, there might be some running back moves to make. This is not typically what I'm looking at. So the names that just spiked up to me, one, and I know me being a Chris Carson truther, is not the (laughs) direction I expected my life to go. But almost what does he have to do at this point? He's a top 12 running back right now that almost no one wants anymore. It's like the minute I start to admit, okay, yeah, he's good. Everyone's like, nah, forget Chris Carson. Um, Nick Chubb right now is having his receiving volume eaten up by Kareem Hunt. That could create a disparity in his value towards the end of the season. Like Nick Chubb's done nothing but prove to be a top five talent in a situation that hasn't been great, but he's been doing pretty great with it. And for the latter half of the season here, he might have all of his receiving value eaten up by Kareem Hunt. And we don't know where Kareem Hunt's actually going to play next year. I think he could end up changing teams. Um, A guy I'm really nervous on to say because I was really high on him forever and only just recently started doing it. Aaron Jones has got the talent profile and he's not going to finish there this year. He's going to be a year older, which makes everyone nervous about running backs. Um, Joe Mixon, obviously he's been doing terrible this year, but he's still definitely in his age curve. And he did do a little bit better last week, so his value might start rising here towards the end of the season. Running backs with this potential that have shown out well in the NFL usually probably are worth that, right? So it's interesting that they're contested at a first-round value because we're so high on the 2020 class. And I don't even know the 2020 class yet, and already I'm getting squeamish about it because I believe most of the people telling me most of the people telling me that the 2020 class are good are really good at their jobs. <laughs> they know what they're talking about. So Joe Mixon, James Conner, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I think if I can get them for less than a 2021st, even in value, I, I think they might be interesting players for next year. Um, and some of those guys are already playing well. So th- those are names that stood out to me. I just thought it might be... A, I'm just looking for... 
you're always looking to do something slightly different than everyone else. That's how you find something no one else finds, right? Or get some extra value on your roster that no one else might be able to get for you. Um, and I think it's an interesting exercise. When you're in a losing position, normally you're focusing wide receiver, you're focusing draft picks. Just throwing it out there. I think it's an interesting process to go through. And um, what am I missing? What What do you need to tell people about the 2020 class? Because I'm weird and they need to know actual real information. Uh, I think I think you should be weary when it comes to these running backs. As much as we're kind of you know t- talking about the running backs right now, um, I I love running backs because I believe they matter. Sorry, Hermsmeyer, but <laughs> um, I, no no matter what, I I really I, I I love the running back position. But more than anything, I can tell you that is top heavy in this this twenty twenty class. You're gonna want to get these wide receivers and. Um, but I, I totally agree with you on the fact that there's some – like you said, this creates an interesting buying window right now from this incoming class that's coming that, that's coming in this next draft to kind of where we're getting at with, with guys that are on that age spectrum right now. Um, in terms of Alvin Kamara is going to be another year older. Ezekiel Elliott's going to be another year older. And I don't, I'm not saying Alvin Kamara in general. We know he's still very young and he can, he's going to have very productive years left, but we're, we're starting to see these guys start to get a little bit older and the new class is going to start to, to come in. This might create um, a, a very opportunistic buying window for you to go in and get guys like a Derrick Henry guys like an Aaron Jones, um, Guys like a Leonard Fournette and an Ezekiel Elliott for you to, who I believe all have incredible value right now at the position, and you can you you're going to be able to potentially get these guys at a discount because that this class is the the amount of hype that's coming in, and because of the guys like Peter who believe other people <laughs> when they tell them specific things, you know, uh, you're you're going to be able to exploit a little bit of that, and you can uh, be opportunistic with that window and and really jump into some value here. But more than anything, I would say what this conversation has taught me is if you are going to get a running back with this 2020 class make sure you are shipping off your 2020 picks to get that running back and if you are acquiring 2020 um, pieces I, I highly suggest that you invest in the wide receiver position there so maybe use your 2020 capital to invest in running backs that aren't past that age curve yet and that have um that have a projected successful future within the next two years, three years, uh, who you already know are going to get the volume. And if you're going to hang on to that capital, use it on a wide receiver. What was I just going to say? Um, one one exercise that uh, Gabe Gearing from the Open Bar podcast threw out this offseason, and I thought it was a really good way of thinking about it. I'm going to modify it slightly, but imagine this is 2014 for running backs and wide receivers. Like, we typically get one Saquon Barkley you know, a generation. Obviously, he's generational. Sorry, Josh and his wife. Um, <laughs> but imagine, you know, we get three Saquon Barclays, which has never happened and won't happen in this year's class. And imagine it's 2014 for wide receivers. Literally the best wide receiver year ever um, for a draft class. You're looking at eight players you need to draft in the first round. And that's assuming we get the order right which we never do. Like you were pointing out with mm-hmm. Preston Williams and a number of those guys um, for the 2014 class that were drafted in the second round in some drafts. Like, mm-hmm. there is more than enough room and value here to profit off the picks, even though lots of these players are probably going to be good based on the preliminary uh, work that lots of these hardworking dynasty grinders are doing for us. I just... I keep thinking that in mind, even in a fictional class where we elevate the number of great hits that could possibly happen, 
you're still looking at four picks are going to completely burst in the first round. And that's with a fantasy roster in the exact right order in the first round. And that's that's probably the best way I can say why I've ended up trading most of my 20, 21st already. <laughs> and uh, if I get any more, I'm probably going to keep trading them. All right, dude. Um, could you let everyone know where to find you and what you do and all that kind of stuff? Because I forgot to, uh, forgot to ask before. And then we'll get out of here because the crossroads is getting late. <laughs> um, yeah, it's getting late at the crossroads. The morning traffic's about to start rolling through. So we got to go. Yes, yes. Um, yeah, you can, you can find all of my work um, <clears throat> over at playerprofiler.com. I uh, have a weekly wide receiver cornerbacks uh, matchup that I do. Um, comes out game day morning. You can find me on Twitter at Jesse Reeves FF. Um, I'm pretty much posting uh, useless, cool stats that I think are just useless and cool, but they're still cool to me, so I continue to post them. Um, and yeah, that's where you can find all of my work. I occasionally, get on podcasts like this from time to time. Um, but yeah, if you want to follow any of my work closely, you can always follow me on Twitter and uh, you know check out my my weekly over at uh, Roto Underworld or PlayerProfiler.com. Thanks for coming on again, Jesse, and thanks to everyone who's listening and for joining us here at the Crossroads tonight. See you next week. Bye. Thanks, Peter. Yeah. Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, play run fold, so. Jake on the table and Nate on the play, so. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Picking my nose, don't really know if I like that. Picking their brains, got different lanes, but I like that. Picking these guys, all of these times, all of these nice stats. Picking apart, the film is an art, always a fight back and forth. There is no order, they disorder more and more because the players ain't no older. They some hoarders or some mortars, dropping bombs without no borders. They got that, I, I like mortar. Peak grinding numbers like molars, I don't know anymore. I am at a crossroads. Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfolds, so. Jake on the table and Nate on the plays, so. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfolds, so. Jake on the table and Nate on the plays, so. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical.